Thank you for downloading the One Church Podsmead podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, we're going to. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And uh, this is what it says. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rehethidim. Thank you. (laughs) So we've got one army fighting against the Israelites at a place that I'm not going to pronounce again. Moses said to Joshua, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Moses fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. So his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. That's where we'll stop. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is part of our our house series as a church, and we're doing this across all of our One Church locations. Um, similar message being preached in Gloucester this morning and Bristol and Canesham. How cool is that? And um, and we're going to talk this morning about a house of praise, about how this house is going to be a house of praise. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here with us, Lord. We thank you that you want to encounter us this morning, Lord. We thank you that you want to speak with us and draw us closer to you. So I pray right now, Lord, that it's not my words that are heard, it's yours. And that over the next 30 minutes or so, Lord, uh, hearts will be open to you, um, that we will hear your words, that you will draw us closer to you, Lord, and you will pull us into being a house of praise. In your name, everyone said, Amen. Um, are you, are you a lover or a hater of animals? Are you a lover or a hater of animals? Um, Give me a quick show of hands if you've ever had a pet in your life. That's pretty much all of us. I've not actually, that's a bit devastating. I might be the only one here who's never, it is, isn't it? It is sad. Um, Give me a show of hands if you're, you're happy if you never have a pet again in your life. There's a few of you. I'm gonna put you in the maybe not so big fans of animals. James and Anna have the coolest pet ever called Luca. Do they all know about Luca? You think so? Meryl doesn't know about Luca. Let's see if it is. Some of them don't know about Luca. Do you want to bring Luca next Sunday? Come on, be here next Sunday. Luca will be here. I love it. Um, I often find whether people like animals or not can be dependent on the parents and their upbringing. Um, for example, my beautiful wife, Amy. Um, probably would put herself in the camp of not liking animals so much. Um, And it's not that you've never had a pet before. You had a pet called Max, who was a budgie. Um, And Amy and and Max had a love-hate relationship when you... How old were you when you had Max? Like six? Okay, so Amy and and Max had a love-hate relationship that became a hate-hate relationship, um, as Max would just peck out your eyelashes and different parts of your body. Um, and Nicole, Amy's mum's here, um, who apparently, like, he, he didn't go to the toilet in the right places, Max, so the house, the house was used as the toilet. So that's a, that's a bad experience of an animal. Um, you then, but you didn't give up, you had, a, you had another pet. What was the second pet called? 
Pebbles, who was a hamster. Anyone had a hamster before? That's quite a standard pet to have. Most of us have had a hamster. Um, I'm definitely in the camp of loving animals. Um, I never had a pet growing up, um, although I did adopt a cat when I was about 15 called Patch, who was my neighbor's, neighbor's cat. Um, and I just lured him in with tuna um, until he came into my house and I'd shut all the doors and windows and he'd be mine. Um, my mum wasn't such a fan of Patch because it was a, a stray cat. Um, but then we had some mice come and live with us and Patch killed them all. So come on, cats are good. They, they clean the house out for you. Um, it's a battle we're facing at the moment, me and Amy, new, sort of married two and a half years and, um, and she doesn't want an animal and I really do. Um, in fact, I've decided we're going to have a Labrador called Pele one day. Um, and we're getting there, aren't we? It started off as a definite no. Um, now it's sort of like a head tilt, maybe. Um, I think in like a few years, we'll be able to bring my, my dog here. Him and Luca can get on. We, can all, we could do like a pet Sunday, couldn't we? Everyone bring their pets with them. We could have the bunny rabbits and all sorts. We could be selling pets as well. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah. Breed the pets. Like a business opportunity for One Church Pods Meet. Pet breeding. I like that. Um, that's cool. Um, but it's a battle we're facing at the moment. This battle between one of us wanting an animal, one of us not wanting an animal. Um, and I'm sure many families across the country are fighting similar battles, usually with kids wanting the pet and the parents most definitely not wanting a pet. And I say that as a story to um, illustrate a point, that, and it's a humorous point, that um, we are all fighting battles of some sort most of the time, but it might not always be so lighthearted as one of us wanting a pet, one of us not wanting a pet. Um, you see, you might be fighting a battle at work because there's one opportunity for a promotion and there's two of you going for the job and one of you is going to get the job, one of you is not going to get the job. So you're fighting a battle with your colleague or your co-worker for the promotion or for the pay rise you think you deserve, um, but there's not enough to go around. Or maybe you're fighting a battle with the bank um, over the overdraft or the loan or the debt repayment schedule. And it's a battle you're fighting with them because they want all the money now and you're struggling to provide it. So it's a battle you're fighting. It's a battle you're within right at the moment. Maybe you're fighting a battle with your family members. Uh, maybe they don't come to church and they believe in the God you believe in. Um, and you're just desperate for them to understand this faith you've got. And you're just desperate for them to grow to live big as well. So you're fighting a battle and you're praying and you're begging them to understand this God that you, you know so much about. Maybe you're fighting a battle in your health and the doctor's report isn't as good as you wish it would be, or um, the, the feelings you've got in your house side just isn't, isn't perfect. And so you feel like you're fighting a battle in your health uh, when you're waking up or when you're going to sleep. And so often in life, we can be fighting these battles and um, we can wake up, we're fighting a battle, we go to sleep, we're fighting a battle. Work lately for me has been a battle. I'm a project manager at the NHS and funny enough, it doesn't always go well in IT. And uh, computers don't always work and funny enough, turning them off and on again doesn't always fix it. Um, and so it's like a battle I've been faced with in one of my projects to try and get it over the line and there's pressure from management and there's pressure from the clinicians on the floor because they want this thing to work. And so it's like a battle I've been facing and trying to push through lately. And, um, and we can all be facing battles in all different areas of life. And I think as maybe I've listed some of those things, maybe you're, you're reminded, you're thinking, or you've got on your mind a battle that you're facing at the moment. And it's real. And it's tough. And it's something you're trying to push through. And it's a battle you're facing. And um, this is a question I'm hoping we can answer together this morning. Um, how can we win the battles we're fighting? It's a question I'm hoping we can answer together this morning. How can we win the battles that we are fighting? How can we get preferential treatment from the bank? 
Come on. How can we get surprising favor in the workplace? How can we see relationships mended and fixed that are maybe broken? How can we see ministries expand? How can we see the ministries we're working in, the places we're serving as a church expand? How can we win these battles we're facing? And I think to help us on this journey, to help us understand how we can win the battles that we're, we're fighting and the battles we're facing, um, the story of Moses and Joshua that we read earlier is the perfect example. And we'll read this together. In Exodus chapter 17, it says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalekak for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalekak. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired. He could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalekite in battle. What a story, hey? What a story. Moses is leading this nation of Israel and Joshua is like his army commander. He's the guy with the troops and they're like taking land and they're fighting these battles, physical battles they're fighting with other nations or other people groups for land. And so this, this other national people group come and attack them, the Amalekites. And, and Moses gets this word from God and Moses is like, I'm going to go and stand on the top of this hill. And I'm going to go up there, I'm going to lift this staff in my hands, I'm going to worship God, I'm going to praise God on this mountain. And you're, Joshua, you're going to go and fight in the valley. And this incredible picture of Moses, when his arms are raised high, they're literally winning this physical battle in a valley. But as soon as Moses' arms come tired, which for me is like after a minute, um, the, the army starts losing the battle in the valley. And so everyone gets around Moses and they keep his hands up high because they notice this going on. And it's this beautiful picture of Moses worshipping on the mountaintop uh, and the battle being influenced in the valley. And here's what I believe God's saying through that story. And here's what I believe God's saying to us as a church as a result of that story. I believe this, that the battle may be fought in the valley, but it is won in worship. That the battle is fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. Joshua physically fighting the battle in the valley, but it was won as a result of Moses' worship on the mountaintop. The battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. The battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. And so I don't know what the, the valley is that you're fighting your battle in. I don't know what the valley is that you're fighting your battle in. For me, as I said, it's my workplace recently. And so this, there's been this one project that's quite important that, that I've been leading on. And, um, and like just the deadlines were being missed and people weren't doing the work they were meant to be doing. And so as to be expected, uh, the people up high weren't very happy with the work that was going on. And so the pressure was coming on and the emails were coming through and the phone was ringing and all the good stuff. And um, I was really challenged after reading this story in my devotions that um, like I, need to, I think I need to do more to worship God in my workplace. 
And um, so I've got, I was working in Cheltenham at the time, in Cheltenham Hospital. And so that's like a half an hour drive for me in the mornings. And so it was really simple. Like instead of having the radio on or instead of having like an audio book on or something, or instead of just sitting in silence, I can just put some, put some Hillsong on or some worship music on and, and listen to that in, in my drive to work. And I must have looked so silly because I'm driving. I am like belting my heart out to the latest Hillsong album. I'm singing my lungs out. Um, but like just half an hour of worshiping God in my car. Uh, on the way to work, stuck in the traffic jam, not uh, swearing at people that are cutting me up or something. I don't do that, don't worry. Um, but instead, I'm just worshipping God in my drive to work. And there was this one specific example where, like, literally something changed as a result of it. And we were trying to get clinicians trained on the new system. And just no one was signing up for training. Like, they're like, no, I've got too many patients to see. I've got so much work to do. Are you going to pay me to this training separate? I was like, no, it's part of your job. Just get on with it. Uh, and they just weren't signing up for the training. And so the, the first day I did this, like, worshipping, bowing out my lungs to God in the car, I got into work. I opened up my laptop on a Monday morning. And I kid you not, 10 of them over the weekend had emailed me telling, them, telling me when they were going to sign up to do the training. And, and, and I don't know what changed in the atmosphere. I don't know what, what happened to prompt that. But what I do know is the one change I made in my life was to worship my God. And one thing I realized is that although the battle's fought in the valley, it's won in worship. And my battle was being fought in the workplace. But as a result of my worship on my drive to work, something changed and something won. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. But what I do know is the battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. And so the battle you might be facing with your employers or your workplace, although you're fighting that in your workplace or you're fighting that and you might feel so isolated and so alone when you're fighting that because you don't have joy in the band singing behind you as you enter work, because that would be weird, although slightly awesome. <laughs> although you might not have that, the battle may be fought on your own in isolation, but it is won in worship. And so the battle you might be facing with your finances. Although you might feel alone and isolated when you're going into those bank meetings or when the phone's ringing and someone's asking for more money. Although you might be feeling like you're fighting on your own, that battle could be won in worship. And although family life might be really tough sometimes, and you might be struggling with, with one family member in particular who's just driving you up the wrong way, and family gatherings are just really awkward, maybe that relationship is a battle you're facing, but that could be won in worship. Why? Because although the battle is fought in the valley, it's won in worship. And I think about like the ministries we're serving in as well. Me and Ames are youth pastors of One Church Gloucester, and so we're leading the youth group there. And sometimes it just doesn't go as you expect it to. Right? You can come in with this big vision and these big dreams and these big plans of things you can do. Um, but so often it doesn't just happen like that. Like serving God can be hard work sometimes, right? Like you can rock up every Sunday at 8.45 to set the chairs out as loads of you do and the band can come and, and lead us in worship. But sometimes it just doesn't go as we'd expect it to or we want it to or we think it's going to go. And so that's a battle you're facing in your ministry. That's a battle you're facing um, out here in Podsmead. But maybe that battle could be won in worship and in praise and the way we lift up God's voice in our lives. Even though the battles fought in the valley, it's won in worship. And um, worship's really simple. All it is is putting God first in our lives. You see, we all worship something. Um, the new FIFA came out this week on PlayStation. A uh, very good game. Um, so often in my life, I probably worship FIFA over God. I think Yarn's with me on the front row. And, um, 
And so like I've had to make an instinctive choice in my own life that I'm not allowed to play FIFA after I get home to work unless I've spoken to God first. So unless I've sat down and, and done a devotion or read a bit of my Bible, I'm not allowed to play FIFA because otherwise I'm just I'm putting FIFA above God, which is not good. And it's just a real simple change I've had to do in my own life to make sure like what is my priority when I get home from work? Is my priority speaking to my wife? Is my priority speaking with God or is my priority playing FIFA? Which for a long time it was, and that's not good. But it's just like, what, what are you putting first in your life? And the, the songs we sing is such a great way of doing this. And we're so intentional in church on Sundays of, of doing worship because it's so important that we lift up God's voice because it creates an atmosphere of praise where God can do something awesome. But if that's just all you're getting on a Sunday, what's going to happen on Monday to Saturday in your week? What, what else is going to happen? If, if the only time you're lifting up God's name, if the only time you're worshiping or praising God is on a Sunday, what happens for the battles you're facing for the rest of the week? It's no surprise when we finish worship and you sit down, you feel a little bit better than when you came in. Because simply that act of putting God first, it's connecting something in your spirit with heaven. And, it, and it's resolving like a tension that's been there since Adam and Eve of God needing to be first in our lives. And that's when we get the most fulfillment. That's why we say we want you to grow to live big. And step one is encountering God. Because you can't live big without knowing God first. And so we encounter God through worship. And so by, by doing that, we resolve a conflict in our hearts. It means we automatically feel better spiritually, more satisfied when we've put God first in our lives. But we need to do that more often than just a Sunday, don't we, church? Yeah. We need to do that more often. Yeah. And, um, and it's so important because the battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. The battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. Um, this is part of the Our House series, and um, I caught it with Lisa when she asked me to speak, and it sounds like you've had some, some really great speakers over the um, last few weeks. You had Eddie Rich from One Church Gloucester as well, who preached an awesome message a few weeks ago. And, um, and this is part of what we're talking about is some cultural values of One Church, what we want this house to be like. Um, if you're a new person walking into this building, what do you want to be thinking? What do you want, what do you want our guests to be experiencing when they're coming into this place? And, um, and one of those points is that we want this to be a house of praise, a house of praise or a house of worship. We want people to come in and experience a house of praise, a house of worship. Why do we want that? Um, because praise and worship makes a difference in our lives. Because the battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. And, um, and your praise is contagious. You see, if you bring the praise yourself, that might just stir the person next to you to give a little bit more, to be a bit more enthusiastic. If you stand up when the 30 second countdown comes on, it might just inspire the person next to you to stand up and to clap and to get ready to encounter God that morning. If you walk through when Meryl asks you to, when she says the doors are open, it might just prompt the person next to you to walk through when Meryl asks you to and set an environment of praise in this place before the band's even started. Why, why is that so important? Because the battle may be fought in the valley, but it's won in worship. And, um, and I was thinking about this and, and some of you maybe you've got a valley that you're fighting in right now and you've got a battle that you're faced with and you've got a battle you're fighting with and so maybe this is a, a simpler message to apply to you and, and the application is like worship God with all you've got and expect to see something change in the battle and, and that's a, a simpler application it's maybe a bit harder if you're sat there thinking actually life's pretty good right now uh, we're a newlywed and, uh, and life's pretty much as good as it's ever been and, uh, and so, you know, I'm not really fighting a battle at the moment, Greg. And that's awesome if that's the case. And life should be like that. Um, but, but what I love about the story of Moses and Joshua is Moses is on the mountaintop. 
worship him. Moses isn't in the valley fighting with Joshua. Moses is on the mountaintop. And, and so often mountaintops and valleys can resemble times in our life of, of great joy or great hardness and great suffering. And so maybe, just maybe, if life is going great for you right now, your worship on the mountaintop might just determine the battle you're going to face in the valley. Maybe the worship that, that you're doing right now in your season of great joy or, or where everything's as good as it could be, maybe your worship there could influence something that's coming later in your life, in a valley season. Because what I know to be true is your, your worship will always influence the battles you're fighting. The fact we're putting God first will always influence the battles we're going through. And the battle may be fought in the valley in isolation on your own, but it's won in worship. How cool would it be, I shared this with the leaders earlier, how cool would it be if one church Posmead was known for being a house of praise? Like if across all the one church locations, from Bristol to Zimbabwe, and, and Zimbabwe's good on their praise. I mean, they go for like hours and hours. I, um, I was there a few years ago, and um, Kennedy's the pastor of one church, Zimbabwe. And, um, and he said, okay, guys, this, this guy, Tundai, is going to pick you up at 10 a.m. in the morning. I said, like, oh, of course, we're going to get picked up at 10 a.m. in the morning for their church service. And we're like, oh, okay, Kennedy, what time does the church service start? He's like, oh, half eight. So, but, but we're getting picked up at 10. He's like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to do an hour and a half of praise and worship before you get there. And then we'll do another half an hour when you're there. And then someone's going to speak. That's crazy, isn't it? That's a house of praise. But how awesome would it be if out of all the locations... One church, Podsmead, was known for being a house of praise. How cool would it be that across the network, this church was known for being a place where praise erupted, where worship was powerful, where things changed in the atmosphere as a result of the songs you were singing and the words you were speaking out. How cool would it be if this location was known as being a house of praise? And if you want that to happen, it starts right now with you. It can't be down to the guys sat on the front row. They can do their best and they can lead with all they've got. But it needs to filter back to the, the fourth row and the fifth row, and one day the sixth row and the seventh row and the eighth row. If we want this place to be a house of praise where, where walls get torn down, where God meets with people, where battles are fought and battles are won, it needs to start with us here, lifting up a contagious shout of praise to our God. And I've um, been intentional with this message to keep it short and simple, because I want to give us an opportunity to live that out now. Because I know there's battles we are facing right now in the workplace and in the home. And there are battles that we need to fight ourselves. And, and how do we fight those battles? We fight them through worship, through the songs we sing and the words we, we speak out. And, um, there's a, one of my favourite verses in the Bible, Jesus speaking. And he says to us that he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. That's what Jesus says to us. It is in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that we have been given all authority over the power of the enemy. Because, you know, it can't be all good all the time. And that there is an enemy that the Bible talks about loads and that, that we fight against. But Jesus says that we have all authority over the power of the enemy. So it means when we worship and when we praise in the midst of our battles, um, we're, not, we're not fighting um, a pointless battle, but we're fighting a battle we know we can win. In fact, we're fighting a battle that we know Jesus has already won on the cross when he died for us and said, it is finished. What he was saying is the battle is finished. It's done. Heaven's come to earth. I am inside each and every one of you. If you believe 
that Jesus is Lord and Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God lives within you. And that means when you fight your battles, you're not fighting on your own, even though it might feel it like it sometimes. You're fighting with all authority over the power of the enemy within you. I mean, how cool is that? So imagine if we could worship from a place where we already knew the authority and power we had, where, where we knew, although the circumstances might not look like it, my God's got authority and my God's given me authority over the bank and my finances. And although it doesn't feel like it sometimes, my God's given me authority over the sickness that I can experience. Although it doesn't feel like it sometimes, my God's given me authority over my family and that relationship that's really hard and tough to mend. Or over the workplace where my boss just doesn't get me and doesn't seem to like me and I've got no hope of progressing. But I've got authority over the power of the enemy in that place as well. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I love that because it means my boss, who didn't seem to like me a month ago, even she's got to bow her knee one day to the power of God. So we can worship from a place where we know everything's going to bow to this God one day. We know we've got such authority over the battles we're fighting. We know that Jesus says it's finished, which means the battle's won, which means we are fighting a place of victory, but it still means we need to fight. It still means we need to fight. Just because Moses had his staff in the hand didn't mean Joshua could stop fighting in the battle. It still meant he needed to fight. It still meant he needed to pick up his sword and go again. It still means you need to get up in the morning, get dressed, go to work. It still means you need to speak to those people, and it still means it might not look like anything's changed. But you've got to believe that as you're fighting through worship, something's shifting. God's going to do something. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of what looks like it's happening, God is doing something in your life. You have to keep pushing on and believe that as you worship, something's going to change in the atmosphere. Will you stand with me, church? Because we're going to end with a time of worship. Um, but what I want you to think of, it's more of a, a time of war than a time of worship. Uh, so often worship um, can be entertainment or it can be a performance, if you let it be, or it could just be karaoke. Um, but it can't be just that if we're going to have a house of praise here. It's got to be a time of war where we fight our battles. And so I'm going to pray and the band's going to lead us, but it's going to take you to bring the praise. It's gonna, for this to be a house of praise, it's going to take you to do something. And that might be doing something you've never done before. That might be sticking a hand up that you've never put up in surrender to God. That might be singing audibly instead of just under your breath. That might be doing something you've never done. That might be stepping out of your row so you've got a bit more space to worship God. But I believe that as we as a church worship God, the battles we're facing, the battles we're fighting, they are won in worship. They are won in praise. And so this place can be known as a house of praise. This place can be known as a house of praise where, where walls come down, where battles are won, where you use the authority God has already given you, where you fight from a place of victory knowing that it is finished that it is finished so why don't you if you can lift a, a hand to heaven dear Lord Jesus I thank you so much that you've given us the tools already to fight the battles we face I thank you so much that Jesus has come and said it is finished over the battles we're fighting I thank you so much you've given us all authority over the power of the enemy Lord I thank you that you've given us a way and a method to fight in our battles that is simply invoking your power into the situation Lord so I pray over this church right now the battles they are facing Lord the battles they are fighting Lord may you give them such great victory in those battles Lord may you give them such a revelation 
of the power they have in worshipping and praising you, Lord. May this place be known as a house of praise where walls come down, where people meet with you, Lord Jesus. And may we see the battles won, Lord Jesus. In your mighty, powerful name, Lord, we know the battle is won, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen.